we may have to redo like a second part. Are, are you around? Are you off tomorrow? I I am, but I don't know what all I got going on because we're getting ready. To, we may leave tomorrow. We did. We well, so we did 162 minutes. I don't know if uh, Anchor does this long. Like as far as well, I'll find out. It's gonna probably take like a half hour. I'll just text you tomorrow. We might have to start from. We might have to do the second half again. I I I hope we're fine. Okay. But we're at 162 minutes. Right. I mean, it's one o'clock. We started it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that was a huge case, dude. It is. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, we should hang up and try to get it recorded. All right. Yep. See All right. Later. later. Welcome to the podcast that explores mysterious disappearances, bizarre worldly occurrences, strange phenomenon, and basically everything that's weird. When people ask you, what do you do for a living? Do you want to be able to tell them I'm a producer? Well, now you can. Go to patreon.com, search everything that's weird, and sign up. We'll list you in all the show notes and mention you in every episode. Go to patreon.com to get started today. I got a little bit of a cold too, so my kids are petri dishes. <laughs> All right, welcome to the podcast tonight. We have a good one. This is one of my favorites. I'm your host, Anthony. I'm here with Brandon, and we are talking about another story that I love Dan Cooper, or as the press says, DB Cooper. Old douchebag. That's all I, that's all I think of when I hear <laughs> <Right>. DB. <laughs> well, he never called himself DB Cooper. The press called him DB Cooper, and that that's a whole separate thing. But yeah, he went by Dan Cooper. So, um, apparently, in the Washington area, there's a ton of guys that look like DB Cooper. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> when I started getting into this I rem- I remembered there were um, a bunch of suspects and you had, you had said there's 800 that the FBI looked at yeah over the years they said 800 people were suspected at some point so we're not going to bore you and make and go through all 800 people we'll kind of just hit the, <laughs> right. the, the all star team you sure but, I was all boned up on all 800 of them <laughs> well well even on the all-star team, there's like five guys that could be DB Cooper just by the picture alone. Right. The first guy I saw, I'm like, oh, well, that's him. <laughs> yeah. And then the second guy, I'm like, well, that could be him too. Then you realize <laughs> that all guys in 1970 look the same. <laughs> uh, it's true though, huh? Yeah. So, okay, we'll just get right into it. Uh, a man calling himself... 
Dan Cooper um, gets on a plane heading from Portland to Seattle. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. 727. It's a 727. That'll come into play in just a minute because that specific aircraft is part of the hijacking. Yes. Right. Um, This still, this is, it's not an open investigation, but they are still, they are still looking into credible leads. But officially, the FBI has closed this, and mainly because it happened so long ago. Right. Um, but on Thanksgiving Eve, so right away, they, do they, nobody calls it Thanksgiving Eve. They, they call it the biggest bar day of the year, yeah. don't they? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, a middle-aged man, about 40 Boards uh, Northwest Orient Airlines at the Portland International Airport, calling himself Dan Cooper. He buys a cash ticket for twenty bucks. Mm -hmm. Um, still seems I don't know. I mean, was that like a half-hour flight? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes Orbitz has those forty-dollar flights. So, like, yeah. is, is Orbit's recession proof? I guess. Or maybe. <laughs> maybe. Plug. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, he gets on. He orders a drink very calmly. A bourbon and soda. Good drink. Good drink. He hands a note to a flight attendant. Her name is Florence Schaefer. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of dismissive and just puts it in her pocket thinking that he's just a businessman trying to get a date. <laughs> it's that she, time, man. She must have been killing it. She must have been hot, right? Yeah, maybe. She was 23. Yeah, well, she just thought nothing of it and threw it in her purse. like. And he's like, hey, you should look at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, mm-hmm. you're cute, but I'm not trying to pick you up. So she looks at it, and here it says, I have a bomb. And he's hijacking the plane. She looks and he has a briefcase that has, looks like a cartoon bomb, right? <laughs> right. The old timey <laughs> bomb. The bomb they still use on the uh, warning signs, like this is a bomb free zone deal. <laughs> they put the little red line through it. Yeah, it's got an alarm clock. Yeah. Like, don't, don't bring that on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Swartzen does a thing about what you can't bring on a plane. Yeah. And like fireworks is one of them. And right. He's like, could you imagine being up there and somebody lights off a Roman candle? He's <laughs> like, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> they don't let you bring anything on there anymore. <laughs> so the captain is a guy named William Scott. He contacts Seattle, Tacoma Airport, air traffic control to let them know what's going on. And they tell the passengers. Yeah, well, the, 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 the note said, I have a bomb in my briefcase and I want you to sit next to me. So she sat down, I thought, right next to him at some, you know. She does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, he, by all accounts, he's like a nice guy. He does, he's, yeah. not, he's not uh, harsh with her or anything, but he does get the instructions to the cockpit. So does the other flight attendant give the instructions to the cockpit? I, I, I guess. I guess. Yeah, that's kind of lost in a bunch of the stories. It is, because it does say to sit down next to me, and I, 
that's why I kind of brought it up because I was kind of wondering if there was something too because they they knew and none of the passengers did and I just didn't uh, it's like if she had and to sit got, next to him that's that would look weird right right I would think something was up right however well I mean the, I don't know in the 70s would it be like unheard of that a flight attendant was sitting down and flirting with a businessman I don't I don't know I mean at that time you could send your kid to the store to get vodka for you he was smoking on the plane that should tell you something right he, he just, they said he's just chain smoking. He was on that plane you were on with the ashtrays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I was a little kid, I was on... I'm a, I've, been, uh, I've been on planes with ashtrays. Yeah. Um, so the pilots, they, they, however, they get they get the ransom note. They, they know that he has a bomb. It says what he wants. He wants um, a truck to refuel the plane, and he wants $200,000. Right. Yep. And four parachutes. Four parachutes. And he's not. We keep saying he's. He seems rather nice because at the time they call it air piracy. Mm-hmm. Most most of the people are politically driven, and it's a very hostile takeover. Yeah. And they usually want to go to a country without extradition, like Cuba. Or somewhere where they have a safe place right. to go. They end up um, around 6 o'clock, a little before 6 o'clock, they land at Tacoma, Seattle-Tacoma Airport. And all the passengers deplane except for the flight attendant, the pilots, and him. They refuel the plane. There's a little bit of delay in the refuel because of I don't know, it, it said something about the airlock with the fuel, mm. and they had to get another truck. Right, uh, but it, it's not a big deal, and uh, they get refueled. All right, everybody's let off the plane except the flight attendant, him, and the pilots. And he gets his four parachutes, mm-hmm. the money, the money's brought on the plane, uh, or Nor- Northwest Orient Operations Manager. He's a guy named Ali, and he didn't want him to think he was a cop, so he kind of comes up in plain clothes, gives him the money. He is asked by the FBI if they can do negotiations on the plane. He says no. He lets one of the flight attendants leave and all the passengers leave. Um, so there's four people left on the plane. Now, this is super smart because at this point, when you ask for four parachutes, if you ask for one parachute, right? Yeah. They're going to pack it full of a bed sheet, right? <laughs> right. You're going to jump out and you're going to pull your ripcord and a a fitted Martha Stewart sheet's going to pop out of your backpack, right? Right. (laughs) Like, you ask for four and they're like, oh, shoot, he's got like a plan. Yeah. And they still aren't real worried about it because they're like, well, we know he's on the plane. Right. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. 
So he tells them to set course for Mexico City. Mm -hmm. And they're fueled up. And he also gives them instructions on altitude and airspeed. And this is really important. So he says he wants them to fly approximately 115 miles an hour, like 100 knots. And this is right above the speed where the engines will stall. Yeah. And it also means that the pilots have to fly it manually. So that allows for things to happen on the plane that wouldn't usually happen. Um, Namely, how he ends up escaping. But they still scramble a couple planes. And they got... they're, They're following it. But that 115 miles per hour is kind of a problem for fighter jets and yeah they they can't they can't travel that slow and it's also a problem for a helicopter or anything small range because they can't go that fast so he this is very clever on his part this all this setup is really clever because he's setting up He's setting up his escape plan. Because he's robbing a fucking... Robbing a fucking plane. (laughs) (laughs) You better have a fucking plan, buddy. But that's a pretty good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. So they get back in the plane. Um, They take off the... Like I said, there's there's fighters flying them. There's another guy that's completely unrelated was doing something else. He's in a plane. He tries to track him, but he starts running out of gas. He has to leave. Um, He closes the cockpit door and leaves them in the cockpit. So it's just him in the cabin. He, he's the only one in the cabin. And before this, he had, he had kind of threw out some landmarks to the, flight attendant he had mentioned that there was an air there was an air force base and that he said it mentioned something about Tacoma and how it looked at night and this comes into play a little bit later when they think they start putting together like an FBI composite of who this guy is but they get a warning light saying that their aft stairs are down. And this is one of those planes that has like a staircase in the back of the plane. Yeah, and you're not going to just open it without some stuff going on all crazy up in the cockpit. Right, but there's also like, if you're going, you know, 350 or to 500 miles an hour, you can't open that thing. Right. The pressure's too much, the speed's too much. There would be too much pressure. And if you're at that altitude, you're more than likely going to freeze to death. So he has them fly below 10,000, which is right around. Um, it's high skydiving, but it's still you can you can skydive from that 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 altitude. So he yeah. they do feel like some sort of movement in the plane when the air when the so they can kind of pinpoint where they're at when they felt this. Yeah. But later the pilot admits 
that his version of where they were to the FBI's version of where they were, they're off a little bit. And over the Northwest, that's a huge deal. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Bigfoot country. There's nothing out there. There's not on that land market. Right. And, you know, it increases their search a ridiculous amount just because, you know, they're off by a few degrees in directional heading, which is another, you know, thousand square miles of search area. They end up uh, landing at Reno Airport. Yeah. The biggest little city in the world, which I've never been to. You ever been to Reno? No. Never been farther than Colorado going west. I'd really like to go to Reno. I hope it's like Reno 911, (laughs) which is one of my favorite shows. Yeah. Um, And when they land, the stairs are still deployed. Right. And it's like a fold-down hatch set of stairs that come directly out of the back of the plane. Right. It's real narrow back there. It's like the only thing. It's just wide enough for those stairs to drop down. It kind of makes you, is it like an emergency exit type of thing? Is that what Yeah, because it's they don't they didn't deplane that way. That those stairs weren't open. There's a patch door on the side and they had a truck with steps that they pulled up to the side of it. Normally it would disembark, you know, on a plank. But the <clears throat> when they pulled the when he traded out the money in parachutes, they pulled like a truck up that has like stairs that are built into the bed of it. Right. And they pulled it up to it and they came out the side up by the front. So this, the stairs were only opened by him in flight. And, and it's one of those things that it's like, unless you knew, you know, you, you, you wouldn't know they were there. Unless you knew about so the these seven twenty set, do they fly these anymore? Uh, I think so. I believe they're still in um, in use. See, I wish I knew my planes better. <laughs> um, I know. Well, I know. Um, you know, I know the Say big nobody ones. ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. I know my RJs and my little ones. But one thing that's funny, you should look it up on Wikipedia because now the last uh, seven twenty seven was March of two thousand three. I was going to say, I've never come across that one. If you look it up on Wikipedia and you get it through, they have a picture of the plane and the stairs go down and a little guy jumps out the back of the stairs, which is kind of, <laughs> which is kind of funny. That's funny. Um, so, all right, right away, the FBI goes on the plane and they start their investigation. There's cigarettes, which... End up getting lost. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> he smokes like six cigarettes, has a couple bourbon and sodas. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's, it's like every old timey uh, <laughs> show with a cop in it, and they're all inept. They're just all like, right. ah, probably the wife did it. <laughs> you know? John the lady said, if you wanted to commit murder in the 20s, all you had to do is not be there. Right. Hey, there's a pool of the, the there's a pool of blood right over there. Be like, ooh, gross. Bump it up. (laughs) (laughs) But they fly. He has a clip-on tie, which I guess that's pretty baller. Yeah. I don't know where you would buy an adult clip-on tie. Mm -hmm. I guess it's a different time. Yeah. Two of the four parachutes are gone. He took one out. 
for the I guess one for the money, right? So this is this says um, this is just a website. Calculate me. How much does two hundred thousand dollars weigh? And they break it out into hundreds, twenties, tens. So two hundred thousand dollars weighs about twenty. This this says twenty two and a half pounds. Let's just say twenty five pounds. So that's yeah, yeah. So his other parachutes, the money, maybe. Right. So two of the parachutes are gone. They land. Of course, the FBI storms the plane. Nothing's on the plane. His clip-on tie. He has um, his tie clip. The cigarette butts, which, come on, they lost those. <laughs> um, and then, his, I guess his glass, which I, did, I never heard about the glass. Did they ever? No. They never checked the glass, right? Not that I'm aware of. I didn't see what? it anywhere. Right. I was wondering the same thing because he, he ordered a drink. Wouldn't his fingerprints be on it? But <laughs> they lost his cigarette butts. So. Right. <laughs> but they, 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 I mean, they had eyes on him. They just, they kept having to loop back around because they were going too fast. These, these other fighter planes and nobody really saw him jump. So they kind of had to scramble to put together a flight path and figure out where exactly he left and where he jumped from. He, so immediately they're, they're trying to figure out where, what, who this guy is. They find out he uses the pseudonym, Dan, um, Cooper. And the FBI puts out a list of all the serial numbers for the bills, which is smart. Yeah. Because they're looking for, like, racetracks. They're looking for places that have lots of uh, lots of cash yeah. transactions, casinos, things like that. Right. Um... The pilots and the, the FBI get together. They realize they're kind of way out of whack on where exactly they thought they were and the flight path and where he could have went out. And they realize it's a much bigger, it's a much bigger area to search. The pilot seems to think it's in this place called, I guess it's Washugal. <laughs> the what? Wash? Is that is that right? Nailed it. Is that how they say it? I don't have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which that part of the country was sort of obliterated by Mount St. Helens in the 80s yeah yeah. a lot of people don't remember that right so they have his mother a pearl tie clip he smoked Raleigh cigarettes which I, don't, I never had a Raleigh cigarette Did I no I, Se- I don't think I have seems like something you would find at a like bowling alley with that pearl top tie clip with the bourbon and soda right everything (laughs) (laughs) it's the most stereotypical thing I've ever seen (laughs) 
1978, a placard for instructions on how to lower stairs of a 727 was found by a deer hunter in Castle Rock, Washington. Yeah. But that was really north of the flight path. So they thought. But again, they're kind of like off on this. In 1980, uh, a kid, an eight-year-old kid, finds a bunch of 20s. Yeah. While he's vacationing with his mom and dad. Yep. He can't even keep them because they're like beat to hell. They're all burned up. Yeah. Like they're like it looked like they were like it looked like the edges were burnt, but I guess they were saying they were deteriorated and shit. Yeah, they're. I mean, they look <clears throat> the pictures of them. <clears throat> they have holes. I mean, they're. It looks like you know. Well, I guess at that time is what twelve year old money. Yeah, it's pretty old just sitting out there, I guess. Mm -hmm. But the theories with where that is, a lot of people think it could have been deliberately buried there. It could have been carried there. It could have flooded and gone there and sat in the mud and then resurfaced later. There's a lot of theories on how the bills got there. Yeah, And I guess, are they all 20s? That that the kids found? Yeah. Yeah. It was like uh, 5,800 bucks total. Okay. But they they, did... It was all 20s. But the serial serial numbers do match with the... They match the money that they gave them for the ransom. So they do have some DNA from him later that they do hang on. They, They lose the cigarettes, but they do have the tie clip. And they have the plane ticket, right? Mm-hmm. They have sketches of what people think he looks like. They have, they do a ton of analysis on the physical evidence they have. And they come up with some weird stuff. Yeah. Like, there's all these weird metals found on his tie clip. Or on <laughs> his tie itself um, metals that like would be involved with somebody that's like a machinist or like somebody that works with some kind of like fabrication of metals some kind right and dresses fancy when he does it (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) but they find like titanium yeah it's real weird um cerium and I was strong Strontium sulfide. Okay. Right. Um, and this kind of this lends back to a bunch of theories because these end up connecting certain people that end up having deathbed confessions. Mm-hmm. I hope I live a full enough life to have a deathbed confession. <laughs> I, I love that part of the movie. Like my brother hates that part of the movie. Yeah, like, right. Where they die and they come back and tell you something. Come, come closer. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. They, they're totally dead. Yeah. And then they come back and they're like, eh, wait. And then they give you some, and then they die again. Yeah. I want that. I would like I want- to do that. <laughs> you just have to have a secret. Right. I, I don't have any yet. Someday. Off somebody. 
right? Hijack a plane and jump off the back. Yeah. We're, cool. we're about so okay. We're about this age. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to hijack a plane. That would give me a heart attack right now. Yeah, and I. <laughs> it's funny. I just popped uh, popped up on a picture of the Flo Schaefer. Yeah. Uh, then or now? From then. Okay. And yeah, yeah, cute girl. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah uh, well, a, it explains so, why she just chucked it in her purse. Like, yeah, get in line, buddy. Whatever. <laughs> but they ha- they say he's about I don't know six foot one eighty five between five ten and six foot. But mm-hmm. you know, decent height, like not short, not tall, not not skinny, not fat, just kind of an average white guy. Yeah. That apparently looks like everybody. Everybody we're about to mention in the next segment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But one thing that is really cool to mention right off the bat is that there is a, there's a comic book called Dan Cooper. Yeah. And it's about a guy that jumps out of planes, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I hope that that, like, I'm not a huge comic book guy. Right. I've only had a handful ever in my life. Um, but kind of cool if you are going to do this, that you decide to do it after a comic book character and be your own superhero. Right. Yeah. All right. So that's kind of it for the setup. I mean, we can go through what the FBI thought. At first, they thought he was a paratrooper or like had military training, but then, then they kind of went against that. Hmm. And in in their original thing, they said they at first they thought he was like maybe a thrill seeker or somebody that had been in the military before, right? Because he asked for a certain kind of parachute. Yes, but then later. There were things that he did, and I guess that they never fully released the facts of that suggested he wasn't ever in the military. Yeah, like, but I never, I never found a specific example of what they were talking about. And I know when they do investigations like this, they hold a few things back. Yeah, so that they they know who is telling the truth and who's not. Yeah. And I think sometimes they do that thing where they're like, they try and play on your ego. So if they right. think that you're a bit, you know, uh, fool yourself, then they'll, they'll play you down. So I see that the FBI at one point, I said, they, they said, they don't think Cooper was an expert that he, like, it was like, he got lucky type thing. They like actually that. said he lacked critical skydiving skill. <laughs> so, so if, if you're getting trying to get somebody riled up to like to, to to leak it to somebody and go bullshit, man, I can fucking do that. I did. Fuck them. They're just pissed. They can't catch me. And so on the west, on the west coast, he gets dark yeah. early. Mm-hmm. Like the coast, the coast. I don't know why they. It's, and I'm sure this. I'm sure there's a reason. But in the Midwest, it seems like it gets dark a little bit later. But like I remember in California when I lived there, and 
kind of here. Here it's a little bit later, but in California, man, it's seven o'clock. Between seven and eight, it goes from like light outside to it's nighttime. Mm-hmm. So by nine o'clock, it's pitch black. And if you're not anywhere near a city, the West is vast. There's tons of area and it's, it's, it's dark. And it was that night it was raining. Um, you know, he's going 115 miles an hour. Yeah. You know, multiply like plus like the speed of falling out of the plane. Mm-hmm. It, this isn't just something you do. If he if he was to that point, you have to figure that he knew that like that moment was going to be. No, well, it was going to be crazy. It was going to be. This is for all the marbles. If I can get past this point, I'm I should be okay. But, you plan for everything to go wrong, right? Right. So maybe that was what the second parachute was for. Maybe he just strapped it on himself and he pulled out his main chute and if it didn't work or something, then he could throw on the other one. And they said that they had seen him tying something to himself. Yeah. Which could have been, you know, the money. Maybe he just tied, maybe he just tied the money to himself. Did you ever see what the money looked like? No. Never could fucking. I never found. I never like the actual packaging, right? Like how they gave it to him. No, and why? I don't know if they. I don't know if they photographed it beforehand or not, but I couldn't find anything to show the. Why did that kid find only you know that much money? Right. So that's why I was wondering if it was like in packs that you know what I mean that he had to maybe he stuffed in the other parachute or something or. You know, maybe one of them fell out. But they never found him. No. So, there's people that hunt all the time looking there's for There's somebody Bigfoot. that claimed that they found a parachute. The DB, really? Yeah, the D.B. Cooper parachute, but... I never did hear that. Yeah. Um, I never heard that. Yeah. I know... I heard the placard was found... And then the money was found, but I never did. Did, did they ever connect that to him? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it was incorrect. So at this point, they have a guy that he hijacked a plane, got money from the FBI, and he jumped. Yeah. And nobody's found him to this day. And for all intents and purposes, he made it. if you haven't heard about anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast let me explain first of all it's free second there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on spotify apple Podcasts, and many more You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So... 
Hill is even capable of pulling something off like this. <laughs> well, apparently. <laughs> A few people. Apparently 800 people. There are some qualified people to do this. I mean. They process. Now, see, I just saw this. They process thousands. But yeah. they narrowed it down to 800 people. Yeah. And then there's like this hit list of like an all-star team of people. Mm-hmm. And let's uh, let's get through them. All right. All right. So right off the bat, first of all, you got to look like D.B. Cooper. Yes. Right. So they profile him as maybe it was in the military. But then they kind of pull that back and say he really didn't know what he was doing. And we just said that was probably because they're trying to either play with him. And they, they do that. There's yeah. two there's two investigation techniques. It's the one the one is you're a smart guy, right? <laughs> there's that technique where you're really a dummy. Yeah. And they tell you you're smart and get you to talk. Right. Or the other one where they're like, you're a dummy. We know that we have you. Right. And then that plays into your ego and you tell on yourself. <laughs> um, neither of these work, by the way. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> this is still up in the air. But the first guy... Um, the first guy is not a guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a girl named Lynn Doyle Cooper. Yeah. L- LD Cooper. Yeah. You're just kind of, I think you're grabbing at straws. <laughs> but. <laughs> you're like, it's close. It's close. Let's get her. <laughs> so Lynn, Lynn Doyle Cooper. Um, you you know about her? Um, there was they were saying that the family had on Thanksgiving morning, Lynn Doyle Cooper, known to the family as LD, had returned to the home bloody and bruised, and claimed to be involved in a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> Hell of a night, you guys! Hell of a night. I, I went it, through it last night. No. See, so like it's this is what this um, the Lynn Doyle Cooper story comes from Marla Cooper, who's telling her stories like later on in life about early on um, that she had memories on Thanksgiving. Right. And they're they're talking. She's and she was talking with her uncle. Yes. And they had like a plan. Okay, now I remember this. Yeah, and it was um, they were acting. Uh, her, her uncle, and her aunt were acting suspicious before Thanksgiving, and they were using uh, they they were using walkie talkies and left to go supposedly turkey hunting. She said on Thanksgiving morning they they said that she came back. LD came back bruised and and bloody from a, claiming it was a car accident. But Marla Cooper, who, who lived in Spokane at the time, said she overheard L.D. Cooper say, we did it, our money problems are over, we hijacked an airplane. 
and this is important because a lot of people, a lot of people, the reason they suspect their family members is because there's money problems or they're stressed about money. And then all of a sudden, right after this, no problems. Mm-hmm. Now, the FBI kind of buries this one because there's not a whole lot about her that shows up and I wonder if that's like pride or (laughs) (laughs) well well, Lynn died in like 1999 and I think the FBI was like opening this promising lead and it was like 2011 when and they're us. they're doing DNA and shit, and they're like, "There's nothing that matches to her." Yeah, yeah, because they had stuff in the house they could provide. But literally, they made no, they made no comment about it. Right. So they never really came out and said anything to her. It's just that there's people, and there's it's important to say there's a ton of books written that have a ton of theories. There's a ton of YouTube videos. There's a ton of podcasts. Everybody has their theory about who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's not the only woman. Yeah. There's another woman, Barbara Dayton. She's mm-hmm. a, re- a recreational pilot and librarian, right? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I just. She's a librarian. Uh, she worked with explosives in construction. She was a merchant marine, and she was in the army in World War II. Mm-hmm. She wanted to be uh, an airline pilot, and mm-hmm. but she could not get her commercial license. <laughs> she said she dresses as a man. Yeah. So it's, were you like not allowed to be a pilot if you were a girl in the? Well, the what, I, what I understand it is is that uh, that she was born a man and underwent gender reassignment surgery in 1969. Jesus, dude! And lived after that as Barbara rather than her given name Bobby. I'm going to tell you this. It, okay, so it, she would have been a woman. At the time of the the heist, the, the surgery would already happen. She would have, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I do. You have to play a, a man again, which I guess it wouldn't be too hard, but I don't know. I don't, you know. Uh, she, she was born Robert Dayton. Yeah. Okay, well, but the FBI really never connects anything to her. Uh, Kenneth Peter Christensen. Um, yeah. One of the, so, yeah, for me, he's one of the ones that was like, okay, he kind of looks like him, but not really. I don't know. He doesn't, but he's a trained paratrooper. Yeah, he fits the bill. He fits the bill. He was in the, um, he was in the army. He joined Northwest Orient as a mechanic. Come on. Becomes a flight attendant, and he's based in Seattle. Mm-hmm. He was 45 years old, and kind of the reason they wrote him out 
even though he smoked and drank bourbon, was that he was a little shorter. He was about 5'8". <laughs> and they never could really pinpoint him. He told... Of course, another, here's another a deathbed confession. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he got it really out, though, did he? I thought he just said, there's no, something you should know, but I can, no, can't right, tell you. Right. To his brother. Yeah. Right? right. And then his family members started really, like, going into him. So they're like, he's D.B. Cooper. Like, he was a flight attendant. He has, like, over $200,000. He has um, all these news clippings. Mm -hmm. He was pissed because they kept striking. He He kept having to take on odd jobs. And his brother was, like, literally, he was, like, a ditch digger. Like, he would dig ditches. And he was pissed that this was going on, and that was kind of like the motivation. And then they find out a little bit later that, well, he sold, like, a bunch of land. Mm -hmm. Like, 24 acres of land at 17 grand per acre in the 90s. Yeah. And that kind of was accounted for his money. Now, they didn't say how he bought the land. Yeah. Uh, And I know, like, I know real estate, you could bury a ton of money in real estate. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Very easily, too. You know, especially if you buy farmland. Right. You, you buy farmland, you could make a several million dollar transaction and nobody will ever even blink an eye. Yeah. Because you're not developing on it, you know. Yeah, you're just buying a big chunk of dirt. You sit on it, you pay taxes on it for like 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. And you rent it to some farmer who his rent is your taxes. So right. you, you basically break even for 20 years and then all of a sudden you make 27 million dollars right (laughs) so they never really said how he bought the land yeah but but the result is this money yeah he's he's got money and they're they're, they I think you know there's like some romanticizing by some of the family members where, you know, they want they want, now that everybody's dead and nobody can be held accountable they want to be able to be like, this is my family they did this, we're important so and I and I get that, like, you know so, when you're a hammer, all you see is nails <laughs> I've never heard that, but I like that yeah. a lot, that's gonna be our next t-shirt <laughs> Um. Okay, that brings us to Jack Kofelt. Yeah, Kofelt. 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 Con man, ex-convict. Yep. He was a government informant. His <laughs> con men's are. I mean, right? He makes outrageous claims, like Doctor Evil. He invented the question mark. <laughs> right. But he said that he was a chauffeur. 
for Robert Todd Link- Lincoln Beckwith. It must have been his son, Robert Todd Lincoln's um, grandson. Um, right? So it must have been Robert Todd Lincoln, who was okay. Lincoln's son. Mm-hmm. It must have been his grandson. Okay. Which makes sense. That's like yeah. in the 1900s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> yeah, that's, it's not that far away. I mean, I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been like grandson. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he, I, I just so, acted like I did math in my head, and then I agreed with you. Well, yeah. I mean, sixty-five, he dies, and his son's relatively young. I mean, I don't know how old exactly, but teenager, right? Right. I know it's the eighteen hundreds, and people don't live as long, but they live pretty long. <laughs> right. And you get to like. He was born in 1917. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that fits. Well, there's... Here's the thing. Uh, John Tyler, the president. Oh, I know about this. God. Yeah. I know, I know this. God. God. His grandson just died like a few years ago. Like, what was it? 2012 or something. How, how about or, how about that guy killing it, right? Like so what he, the hell? Well, he, he married. God. Yeah, he 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 married. Well, he was married and then he remarried, right? He At remarried like a really his seventies or something. Yeah, and he was like seventy or eighty years old. And she was what, like? Tw- she was real young. Yeah, she was twenties. Like twenties. Yeah, and then his son did the same fucking thing. And then she just she just died. I just read something too about the last Civil War widow was something similar to that. Yeah. That's crazy though. I mean Right. She had married a guy really young that was in the Civil War. So this isn't even like Abe Lincoln. John Tyler was born in seventeen ninety. Right. And his his grandson just not great grandson grandson <laughs> just recently passed away. <laughs> so there's some you know there's weird possibilities for <laughs> my uh, my buddy he's rich mm-hmm. and he went to a really affluent school and he went to school with Warren Harding's grandson. <laughs> and when the tea, when they would talk about the teapot dome scandal, <laughs> they would pull him out of class because it was embarrassing to his family. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> which I thought was hysterical. Give him a safe space. Yeah, this is, and that was in the nineties, right? But he went to a school. He had a headmaster, not a principal. That's right. a difference. Those are different. That's a different economy there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so anyway, this guy, uh, John Coffelt, he is he is a con man. He tells his cellmate to sell his story to a production company, um, and he is sort of discounted by the FBI because he doesn't know like the extreme details, but he still goes on CBS and 60 Minutes um, to try to get an interview. Yeah, they, they, they turned him down. 
They turn him down. And Lincoln's descendants turn him down too, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> like you were mm-hmm. never you were never a chauffeur. That's easy though. It's a con man. Everybody's like, fuck off, man. Right. You still want me for this, you know? Right. So William Gossett, he's with the uh, Marine Corps. He was in Korea and Vietnam. Mm-hmm. He had jump training, wilderness survival. Yeah, he was a survivalist. Right. He was an ROTC instructor. He was at Weaver State. He had a talk show mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City discussing the paranormal. <laughs> I wish he was still alive. We'd have him on the show. Yeah. He was obsessed with this. He had a, like a ridiculous collection. Mm-hmm. Um, he once... Uh, he want, He showed his son. Yeah. Well, he told his son that he did it. Yeah. Right. And it said his dad was strapped for cash, right? Mm-hmm. Because he was a gambler. Um, but the FBI has nothing against him. Yeah, and then they, they submitted DNA and fingerprints too, I think. And he's he is never looked at seriously as somebody that is a serious contender to be DB Cooper. Richard Lepsey. He's still alive. Yeah. He was a grocery store mar- uh, manager, married, father of four, living in. Grayling, Michigan, and he disappeared in 1969. Yeah. Um, his vehicle was found at an airport and he was boarding a flight for Mexico. After the hijacking, they noted that he kind of, like his family said he sort of looked like the composite drawings of D.B. Cooper. So yeah. he he never really shows back up. Um, he doesn't have any kind of deathbed confessions. He never talks to his family again, as far as I know. Right? No, that's they, they just and that was the only thing they had was the uh, that that he looked like him, and that there were some weird circumstances. Like he was going to Mexico, mm-hmm. and the FBI never really says anything else about him. Now there's John List. They, they keep, it's, it's funny to me, when you hear all these people and you're, you're looking at them and they like, I mean, some of them are like, I did it. You know what I mean? And the FBI keeps just like summarily turning them down and, and you're, you start thinking like, did they just lose the cigarettes? Is it just the cigarettes they lost? Yeah. Or are they just sitting back like, just tell every one of them we got to link. Just... But if you're missing, I I have a theory. <laughs> well, we'll get to it at the end. Yeah, you want to get through some of these other. Uh, John List was an accountant. He was a veteran of World War II and the Korean War. He murdered his wife. Fun fact. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and his kids. His oh, and his and his mom. Yeah, yep. <laughs> After shooting his wife, his mom, and his three kids. Well, I mean, come on, he had a bad day. And bad they're day. like, what's for dinner? And she's like, 
you're a bullshit son. You mm. just drink all day. <laughs> He's like, you know what? I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> and then, um, so right before the Cooper hijacking, he withdrew a bunch of money from his mom's bank account. Yeah. And then disappeared. Yeah. A lot of people match him to the description. Um, but he he's never he never says that he's involved. He just kind of he, people yeah, he denied it. Right. What you think um, at that point? Because he he was like, Yeah, I killed all them. I killed my whole family. But I didn't and, uh, hijack that plane. So you think he did it. He did, there's say. tons of people that think he did it. Yeah. But the FBI doesn't think he did it. And he, he doesn't think he did it. And he eventually goes to prison for it. <laughs> and he dies in prison in 2008. Ted Mayfield. He was Special Forces. A veteran pilot. Competitive skydiver. This mm-hmm. mm. goddamn list is like every one of these guys. Like He was really good at going up and down stairs. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like every one of them's got, like, the all the cues you need. Like, killing people? Because Ted killed somebody. Yeah, again. So <laughs> <laughs> we involved killing people? Because. <laughs> Ted got negligent homicide. So this is why I don't think it's Ted. I- I'm just going to throw this out there. Right. Ted got negligent homicide because he was teaching people to skydive and their parachutes didn't open. That's not a good teacher. (laughs) He's the worst. Worst teacher ever. (laughs) Terrible Yelp review, one star. One star. (laughs) Um, No, but he he ends up getting like he he's found indirectly responsible for another thirteen additional deaths. Yeah, He, he has a criminal record: armed robbery, transportation of a stolen aircraft. Which, you know, unbelievably, he he pilots a plane after losing mm-hmm. his pilot's license, mm-hmm. which is nuts. Yeah. Like, you're you're just you're like a cowboy at that point. <laughs> like, you should be in a Bon Jovi video because, like, to just dick off and fly a plane that you're not certified for, right? There's so much shit that can go wrong that you need help. Right. And you're like, fuck it, I can do it. I'm just going to try. Because <laughs> you're on those... It's not quite like practice of medicine, but like... There's all kinds of things that go on with planes. They're still studied. Like, oh, I, I, don't know. Know if you, I don't know if you know, but right after 9-11, there was a plane that went down in New Jersey... I didn't right, right. Well, it was like right after 9-11. I, I, had to, I don't know exactly when it was. I'll probably piece it back in after this, now that I know how to do GarageBand. But like, <laughs> but like everybody thought it was like a terrorist. But here what had happened was the guy had taken off, and they had this wind, and he had a certain setting for the takeoff. Mm-hmm. And when he went up, it had never been – it had never occurred – that that equation for wind, altitude, speed, uh, right? Yeah. And it caused them to crash. So it's something like, it's an ongoing process when you, you know, have these 
you have these giant machines that have, you know, this crazy capability and you're being pulled through the air, you're reliant on these other forces and it's just not always studied. But um, it's crazy that you would do that without the knowledge or the certification because it's essentially like a death sentence. It could be, yeah. I, but uh, he, he, did, I, he did it. I was, I tell you, I was like, I always see these, you see these like post-apocalyptic movies and stuff and zombie movies. And it's like, they always find like a helicopter. I'm like, I would just say, fuck it, get in it and drive it. And then like one day I was on YouTube and it was like, how to fly a helicopter. I was like, oh, cool. I'll click on this. Bone up on this just in case the apocalypse happens. All right. <laughs> and I get on there. And it was so complicated. He's like, if you don't make sure that this is like this, the whole thing will just start spinning in circles and break itself apart. <laughs> I was like, yeah. He was like, uh, he yeah. went through this whole thing where it's like, if you don't do this exactly right and this doesn't prime up exactly how it should, the whole the whole thing's gonna go crazy. And uh, it was like crazy the stuff they were saying. And I was like, okay, so I'm not just gonna jump in a helicopter and take off. <laughs> There's a whole checklist that you have to do. Mm-hmm. before you even fly a Cessna. Right. Let alone, like, one of these planes. Right. You could, you like, know? think you're, like, turning on the prop and be like, okay, we got it. It's firing up. It's starting to go around. But you didn't put on the tail, and it just starts spinning you in circles and rips you to pieces. Right. If, you're, <laughs> if your trim's down or your flaps yeah. are down or, like, the pitot tube. The pitot tube senses pressure, and it'll, it'll mess up your engines. Like, it, there's all this stuff that right. like messes up your altitude your you know your heading like yeah right like to, to just do that blindly is insane but he is like a legit contender <laughs> this guy at first he's totally ruled out and then the these two amateur researchers kind of put a bunch of circumstantial evidence together and he's He's asked, like, where were you and blah, blah, But he says that they called him, the FBI, mm-hmm. called him several times that day. And he called them two hours after it happened. Right. And the FBI says they never called him. And he says... And they say that there's no way he could have called them and jumped out of the plane and done all this. Right. So he's kind of ruled out. 